And this is what I tell everyone that asks me that question. They're like, how do I get in the hunting industry? I want to kill cows for a living. First off, nobody in the industry just shoots deer for a living or shoots turkeys or hogs or coyotes. That's not, that's not what it's about. You got to no. be good at that. Yeah. But that that's not how you make money in the industry, get in the industry, you know. But to make a long story short, not to, you got to do something that nobody else is doing and put your own spin on it. And you got to be a people person. So if you hear cows out there in the summer, that's probably where they're going to be at. So if you can set up on that right before dark or right at sun up and know how to use vocals correctly, you're probably going to call them in. Right. And when you do call coyotes in the summer, typically you're going to call groups of them. Not a lot of people go out in the summer because it's hot. I do. They don't, you know, I love it. It's my fa favorite time of the me, year. Me the too. It is. It's because <laughs> of the live feeds. I, I, it kind of forced me to have to hunt during the summer. And once I started, I'm like, man, yeah. I just killed 55 coyotes in five days. The most important aspect to a coyote stand is composure. Truly, staying composed. Because anybody can go out there, push a button, and a coyote can run in. But if you're not composed and you're not confident in yourself and your mm -hmm. shooting abilities, you're not going to kill it. Yeah. You're going to get all worked up, you know, pull the trigger, coyote's going to run off, and you're not going to know what happened. Anybody can go out there and shoot off a bench when your gun ain't moving and hit steel three, four, five, six, seven, eight hundred yards. But in the heat of the moment, when you're sitting in that stool or on the ground shooting off your tripod or shooting sticks or whatever, that's a whole different scenario. 100% different. There's just a million things going through my head but what i've learned is if you can check mark all those boxes like the wind uh your setup not shining like a diamond have a back cover seeing your downwind playing sounds that are probably have a higher response rate during that time of year if you can check mark all those boxes that's when you get an 85 percent kill ratio hey guys real quick before we get into this episode i need you to do me a couple of favors first go give us a review on iTunes. Can't stress it enough. It's really, really important for me to help keep this free and to help me keep it going. Next, get involved with your hunting rights. Go join Howl for Wildlife. Super simple. It takes a couple minutes. You can even do the free membership. I don't care, but be involved. Lastly, I want you to do yourself a favor and up your shooting game go get you some Phoenix shooting bags. Use promo code John Stallone to save 20%. That's all I got for you. Let's get into this episode. Well, I'm watching the wind blow today. Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping I could get out and Kyle hunt, which you can still kill him in the wind. It's just so windy out there. You can't even think. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. I, I was telling you the other day, man, I had literally the worst two days of predator calling I've ever had. Oh, yeah. Ever in my life. <clears throat> It'll humble you, though, won't it? And it wasn't just me, because Shane, one of my guides, is also a very successful predator caller. He actually got skunked. <laughs> You yeah. know, we were going yeah. to the, we were going to the same general areas, but we weren't hunting together. You know, he had right. we had two clients each, and frick, man, I had one coyote come in that nobody saw but me, and so I didn't even want to count it. And um, and we shot one fox. It was just freaking. But it was the weather was miserable. Like usually, right. I do well in inclement weather. I usually do well in inclement weather. So I don't know. Well, if you're like me, anytime that. It like the weather kind of sucks. I mean, there's always like a point to where it's just not even worth it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But if like, I like the challenge of going out and 
killing a coyote in 35 mile an hour wind gusts. Hell yeah. Cause it's doable. Cause I've done it. Is it, you know, is it like ideal? ideal? No, <laughs> but when you pull when you pull it off and the odds are against you, is that it's that much more gratifying. You know what I mean? Right. Right. I've done the same thing with deer. <laughs> I, I've told this story a few times, but years ago I went out and hunted a nor'easter back east. I got in a tree stand and a freaking tree was like this the whole freaking time. Like this, yeah. just like this the whole time. It's so bad that when I got done hunting that evening, my abs felt like I did like a crazy <laughs> workout. Like I was so just out of six back that night. So anyway, but I ended up shooting a deer and it was, a, it was one of my target deer too, which is great. So it felt freaking fantastic. Cause you, have, you have to aim four feet to the left and curve it in. <laughs> No, I just I just waited for the pin to come back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right about there. <laughs> yeah, for sure, absolutely. But um, anyway, let's get a little rundown about yourself and uh, kind of how you fit into this puzzle here. Yeah, uh, you just want to know what I'm about. Yeah, what you about? First how you off, get into the fact that you're a full time coyote hunter? I know it's weird still. Yeah, you know that in school. When you uh you have like a thirty page paper due and you don't do it till like the I mean that was me I'm a procrastinator I have ADHD so bad it's horrible <laughs> but when you have like a thirty some page paper due and you, you like you're doing other stuff and you know you should be doing that but you're doing fun stuff but you feel like you, you're you're in trouble yep every day when I in the mornings when I wake up to go hunt and not go to work I feel like I'm like You're skipping out on working, like I'm, I'm not doing my job, you know what I mean? But then the reality is kind of setting in, but <clears throat> now I'm just fortunate. I, uh, I, I've Kyle hunted since I was like 13 and long story short, it's just, you know, I think this is what you know, what you don't know and what you don't know, you don't know, mm -hmm. especially with our government. But in other things too, like I, uh, I didn't know like just how obsessed I could be with predator hunting. Mm -hmm. I knew I was obsessed, but then the more I got into it, the, the more and more, it's, like, it's literally all I've thought about. The, there's not been a day go by from the first time that I went on a coyote hunt with my buddy's dad that I'm not trying to like strategize, pick up new ground. It, it's on my mind. Right. You know, Right. I blew a hand call for like two years before I even got to pull the trigger on a gun at a coyote. I watch all of Randy Anderson's videos like a hundred and something times. Like, you know, you know who Randy Anderson is? Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. I got to talk to him on the phone for like two hours and he doesn't know it, but like growing up, that dude was my idol out of all the people. Randy Anderson is my idol. Cause he was out there just enjoying predator right. hunting. And, and the guy is very selfless. You know what I mean? Because 90% of the time is he pulling the trigger Nah, he's filming and blowing hand, you know, right. blowing a call and letting everybody else shoot him, and he's just having as much fun as everybody else. And yeah. I, I don't know, I just learned a lot from that guy, and just built upon it. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. But uh, no, I, I'm actually a, a licensed clinical therapist. Most people don't know that. They look at me and they see tattoos. And yeah, all yeah, yeah. Like, you do not. Fit I don't know what he does. You do not fit the stereotype. That's for sure. <laughs> right. But uh, I took a break from that. And uh, really, like, and this might be a question you get asked a lot. I don't know where you want, like, if there's like a line you want to follow on this podcast. But uh, yeah, obviously, you're, you're in the hunting industry. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. People are always like, how do you get in the hunting industry? Oh, my 
that was the biggest question I got for, I can't even tell you how long, especially when I had a TV show back in the day. I would say from about 2009 to about 2015, if I had $5 every time somebody asked me that question, I'd probably have a couple hundred thousand dollars in the bank. Well, I, I get asked that a lot. But the first thing is it's not what everybody thinks. No. I'm super, super, super grateful. But I can tell you right now, like, to be honest, I had to hit rock bottom and be at a bad place in my life to get that fire in my belly to say, all right, you know what? I'm going to go after exactly what I want. Mm-hmm. And and nothing and nobody's going to hold me back from it. Right. But I knew I, I had to come up with, see, the, and this is what I tell everyone that asked me that question. Like, how do I get in the hunting industry? I want to kill cows for a living. First off, nobody in the industry just shoots deer for a living. Right. Or shoots turkeys or hogs or coyotes. That's not, that's not what it's about. You got to no. be good at that. Yeah. But that, that's not how you make money in the, in the in, to get in the industry, you know? Right. But to make a long story short, not to, you got to do something that nobody else is doing and put your own spin on it. And you got to be a people person. Right. You can't you can't be a, a jerk out there with an ego and a chip on your shoulder. You know 100%. what I mean? That ain't what it's about. You got to be in it for the right reasons. Hundred percent. But I knew I had to do something that nobody else has done, which is hard to do because everybody's trying to do everything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and be uh, freaking savage at it. You know, every day, yeah. relentless. You live live and breathe it. I mean, yeah. I, I think that goes for anything in life, really. I mean, if you want to be the best 100%. or successful at what you're what you're doing you got to wake up and that's got to be you part of your life or if not oh. your life every day like i tell yeah. my kids all the time like my son just started he's seven just started playing basketball and stuff like that and you know they practice once a week and i'm like and he talks about you know michael jordan or something like that i'm like if you want to be that nobody's saying that you yes. can't be that if you right. want to be that, you literally have to go to sleep with that ball in your hand. Yep. Like it's got to be part of your life. You know, it's like they don't understand, like especially nowadays, you know, right? Because everybody expects things. We're in this age of instant gratification and like almost whatever. Like, honestly. you know, hell, my kids don't even have, I don't even know what freaking commercials are. Like, you know, <laughs> we, crazy? We, we, we TiVo shit and we, you know, we roll past those things. You know, you, you want to listen to a song. You didn't have to wait for it to come on the radio. Like you just right. turn it on, you know, no matter what nope. it is. So, but um, yeah, anyway, that's a, that, that is a interesting thing. That's an interesting dynamic that people are always looking for the shortcut. To, yeah, it don't to work that way. That. No. No, for sure. It don't work that way. So. But the, those, so the main thing that I do is, is uh, on the predator tactics, I'm the marketing director. Really, I don't know that there's an actual title for what I do. I guess marketing director is the best one, but mm-hmm. I go live on Facebook right. and hunt coyotes. And from the, from the start of the stand to the finish of the stand, and I'm 85% kill ratio on those live feeds. But it was pretty cool because like I educate people on like, how to set up, where to set up, why I'm setting up here, where I think the couch are coming from and why, what sounds like best time of the year. And they get to like in the moment, see and hear the couch respond, see him come in, see him get smoked, see, you know, 500, six, seven, 800 yard shots, hear me talking to myself and my partner, you know, just kind of working through the whole process of that stand. They get to see the entire dynamic of it. Right. In the moment. 
right. not some edited stuff with some stuff thrown in in the moment. Hundred percent, and that was the thing that I came up with at six o'clock in the morning after staying up all night. Was I'm going to go live to kill cows because nobody can take away product credibility. Yep, if they see it happen right here, right, exactly. without any editing. Exactly, it's in the moment. But I knew how to be really damn good at it, and not have a bunch of dry stands. Yep, but you're going to have dry stands, you know. Yeah, of course. That's part of it. That's part of it. That's good. But having fewer dry stands than successful stands is where it's at. Well, that's what everybody's looking for. More success than failure, right? Like, right. That that's the definition of success is 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 succeeding more times than you fail. So Right. But so, what's that take? You know, it yeah. takes motivation. But the biggest thing it takes discipline. Yeah, hundred percent. So before these disappear, I got these two questions. Uh Tyson Wagner, he said, Within the first ten seconds of my rabbit call, I hear them calling back. Did they see me walk in? Nah, if a cow sees you walk in, they ain't gonna howl at you. They're gonna take off. Right. But I mean, if one does see you, I, okay, I take that back and recant my statement. He said they, meaning he, he heard a serenade. Now, that doesn't mean they've seen you, but if you're out there and you hear a coyote just barking and high pitch yipping and it doesn't shut up, just barking high pitch yipping, that's a warning. Right. Bark. You're busted right there. You might as well just pack up and leave. Yep. Because 90% of the time, there's been very few times that I've ever, I've been busted by a coyote, he won't barks, and I still call him in. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of success recently with having them, when I'm bow hunting them, they're coming in real close, like 50, 60 yards, but I can't see them because I'm the way my setup is, it's too brushy right. or whatever. And they come circle around me and they got the wind and then they start barking at me and yipping at me. And I've changed what I've done in the past, like normally I just kind of would just keep going the whatever route I was going at the time. If that was, I don't know, you know, or I would switch to like a distress call. Right. But I started, I recorded some growls. Mm-hmm. Uh, I recorded my dogs growling at each other is what I did. Really? Yeah. And I, uh, I got some growls and some, um, like, some fighting sequences where like two dogs are going or two coyotes are going at it. Right. And that has, in those situations has helped me out tremendously. Like it's given me the opportunity where they, you know, come and give me a quick look to see what's going on. And you know, right. sometimes I can get a shot off and sometimes I don't. Well, I mean, I have a whole process I go through because if you think about it, what will bring a coyote in? There's like instincts, right? Like, right. like hunger instinct when you play rabbit territorial instinct so like when you howl that's when you use vocals right and curiosity right and breeding so based on those instincts it's not always breeding season and they're not always super territorial so you got to know what time of the year coyotes or their behaviors are different you know right um but and it's, some it's, things are more priority certain times of yeah like during, 100%, the breeding 100%. Se- during the breeding season hung you know the hunger thing is not quite as effective right. Right. I think of it like a pie chart. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. that pie chart changes different times of the year. Sometimes that breeding instinct's higher. Sometimes it's not. You know, obviously when it's been 10 degrees out for four days, they're probably getting pretty hungry because they got to eat right. to have, you know, energy and to stay alive. But sure. um, like during the summer, I kill 80% of my coyotes off of vocals. I heard they play rabbit during the summer. And I kill a lot of coyotes in the summer because they're grouped up. Mm-hmm. And they don't travel near as far during the fall and the winter. They're, you know, on average, research shows they travel a five mile radius during the summer. They pretty much stay in that territorial area that they they find and and uh, kind of guard. You know what I'm saying? Right, so, right, right. 
during the summer also, it's it's hot pretty much all day most right. of the time. And so those coyotes are laid up all day long. The coolest times of the day are the morning and the evening, right before dark, right at sun up. So they're more prone to want to move at those times, mm-hmm. right? So if you hear coyotes out there in the summer, that's probably where they're going to be at. So if you can set up on that right before dark or right at sun up and know how to use vocals correctly, you're probably going to call them in. Right. And when you do call coyotes in the summer, typically you're going to call groups of them. Not a lot of people go out in the summer because it's hot. I do. They don't. You know, I love it. It's my fa- favorite time of the me, year. Me the only too. It is. It's because <laughs> of the live feeds. I, I it kind of forced me to have to hunt during the summer. And once I started, I'm like, man, yeah. I just killed 55 coyotes in five days. That's freaking nuts. That's and nuts. like making one or two stands a day, first sight, last sight. These these coyotes are, and it's so much fun because there's so much more vocal, and they come in in groups. And yeah, but you know, I, like a morning stand, for instance, I start out with a subtle vocal, a lot of people are like, why don't you start out with an aggressive howl? Well, because if there's a submissive, non-aggressive coyote around, mm-hmm. you're going to scare him off. Right. We don't care if we kill a submissive coyote, a little coyote, a big coyote. We just want to yeah. shoot coyotes, right? Correct. So to play it smart, you're going to start out with a subtle howl, non-aggressive howl. I've said it like this, you know, like if you walk into a bar looking to make a friend and you're, you know, you start yelling at everybody, <laughs> you know, you're probably not going to make any friends. Nobody, right. but if you, you know, if you're, more approachable you know what i'm saying yeah. you're gonna attract more so i do that and then you know answer accordingly if they if they serenade back i serenaded them you know and then wait patience is the biggest thing which i have not no i mean either do i have adhd it's so hard but doing the live feeds has actually helped me yeah you become a better hunter because i've a lot to do mm-hmm. i'm running the call i'm looking for coyotes i'm reading messages you know panning running my tactic cam, which has been a super awesome thing for creating content. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. if you're a hunter and you're trying to create content, you need a tactic cam. You need one on your scope. That's all there's to it because you're missing out. But all those things keep me busy. You know what I mean? So I don't sit there and try to rush through my stands because the crazy thing is I used to make 15 minute coyote sets. Mm-hmm. Now, first and last slide, I'm an hour and I've killed coyotes at the five minute mark in the same set, switched it up. I might kill one on a rabbit at the five minute mark. And then I might go to vocals and how one in or a two in at the like 10 minute, 15 minute mark. And then I'll be patient. And then I'll get in some really aggressive uh, vocals. And then I have more show up. I've killed, I killed four or five in one stand one time live. And I killed a double at the five minute mark, a single at the 12 minute mark. And then another one, like five minutes later. And then right before dark, I called another one in and shot him at 300. You wow. just got to keep switching it up. I'm sorry, but, how long was that stand total? You said hour and five minutes. Jesus, yeah, I could. I I never do that. Never, ever, ever, ever. But I also I won't make a first. I also last don't kill seven hundred coyotes in a year like you do. But um, I killed seven hundred. The most I've killed was five hundred and thirty-seven in one year. All right, well, I said seven hundred, so it must be true. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you, um, you know what? Before this goes away, Dallas Wood. I don't even know if he's still on because he was a little bit ago. He asked, what's your go-to volume to start on Revolt? Oh, okay. So there's a lot of factors that that depends on. Like if it's a morning set and I howl, that depends on the wind. Because the wind creates noise and the trees and the grass blowing. It just, you know. So when I howl, I usually start out. If there's not much wind, I still howl on about like 25, the the full blast. Because when a cow howls, it doesn't like 
you know, try to restrict its how, what, what color are you using? What color are you using? Uh, Lucky Duck. I've, I've used the Revolt, but I'm using the Super Revolt right now. Okay. And then I have that little Riot, which is like my favorite call because it's still pretty loud. Mm-hmm. So on days that the wind isn't gusting, I use that Riot because it's small, easy to carry around. Um, but like, say I'm going to start out, I stand at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. At that time, the coyotes typically go back and they're bedded up. So I get close to the bedding area. And I'll start my call out real soft on like eight with a rabbit or a rodent. And I'll play that for eight to 10 minutes. And then I'll get into a more aggressive rabbit and start working that volume up a little bit. And then I'll back it off a little bit, work it up a little bit, back it off. Because if you just turn that call on Mm -hmm. full blast, that's not natural. You know what I'm saying? No. And you're probably going to spook coyotes that are close. You don't, you never know how if there's a coyote like within, you know, 50 yards, I've had coyotes literally trying to call on. They stand up 10 yards by the call. It's crazy. But if you just blare it, you're going to spook them off most of the time. So you want to use that volume level Mm -hmm. to get their attention and then back it off a little bit. And when you back that sound off, it makes them have to come closer to hear it. Right. So you're reeling them in with the sound. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. hundred percent. Now, like I said, with vocals, you know, if I let out three howls, which is typically what I do, I, I turn it up pretty loud. Um, if the wind's blowing it, I crank it to 32 and just let it rip. But mm-hmm. when it comes to running distress, I, I call it stair step and you kind of go up and you come back down a little bit and you work it up a little more and you back back down. Yeah. I, I'm not familiar with the revolt. I, I, I run a Fox pro, but does it have a feature where you can change the pitch also? Yeah, actually. Okay, okay cool. You can, yeah. you can change the gain on it too, uh, which which basically is the pitch. But uh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. Because I, I jack with that a lot, but I do actually. And it since I started doing that like four or five years, well, probably a little bit more than that. Probably everything seems shorter. But now that I think about it, it was way before COVID. And COVID's already been three years. So yeah, probably the last ten years I've been doing that a lot, and I notice a big difference. Like just changing the pitch and so it's not the same sound over and over and over again and that has that has been a really effective way for me to and i can't really mess like i don't want to be messing with again because i could told you i bow hunt mostly i don't really want to mess with it a whole shit ton because i need to keep my eyes open i have a very short window of like okay right right here comes target you know, acquire target, yep. shoot <laughs> type situation. But, uh, well, yeah. And I mean, your environment also dictates like your strategy. You know what I mean? Sure. Like guys in, in Pennsylvania, they don't have a field that's over. So your volume level is going to vary. Like hunting in the woods, that sound's going to echo off those trees. So yep. you want to start out a lot lower. Yep. And, sure. and work it up slowly. Absolutely. But, Easy fishing guide service asks us if we use. Do you guys use MF cake vocals at all? Uh, yeah, I do. I use it. I freaking, I got a thousand, thousand yeah, sounds MFK, on, dude, my, I, on my call. So I use just about everything. No, no, I have a lot of sounds too, but the MFK guys, man, they, they know what's up. I, I love how they do things and they educate people. And that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Cause there's not a lot of guys out there that, that try to teach people, you know? Right. Um, but they're, diaphragms are the best out there and if you've heard tory cook on a diaphragm yeah you you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between a coyote and him you know what i mean but no i've used their sounds and they're really they're really good 
Uh, Huckleberry Frank asks, what's your advice on coyotes that hang up a couple of hundred yards out? Oh, shit. Just shoot their ass right where they're at. <laughs> that, hey, I just had that happen. Literally, the last live feed I did, my buddy was with me. Joe, call this dog in. Craziest situation, man. The, ho- the farmer's house is up there. Yeah. We walked in on the back of the hedgerow. The coyotes came from his house. I thought it was his house dog coming out. I'm like, shit, there's a coyote coming from over there. And uh, he shoots it out in front of us on a rabbit. But then we spot another one. I, it was like right at about 300 yards, 320. And it laid down in the, in the grass field. And it, this is on a live feed. This goes on for like 10 minutes. This guy stands up, goes back down, stands up. I'm like, all right, I'm going to kill him right there. Because if they're, I mean, if they've been out, you know, switch the sound up, if they hang up, typically if they came into a rabbit and then they just lock up, I'll switch it to like a rodent. You know what I mean? And then I come to the road, I'm going to kill them right there. But my philosophy is I want to be efficient in every aspect that's going to help me kill more coyotes. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, I want to be able to shoot the damn things way out there if they lock up. Right. My farthest shot on one's 1,100 yards, which was really cool because my little boy who hunts with me, Bo, uh, he got to see that happen. I wasn't on live. He said that service, but he watched he was looking through the binos when I pulled the trigger, you know, like four yeah. seconds and then down. He's like, you got him, dad. But you got to practice, man. That's all it is. That's the key thing. I built a steel range that has steel plates way out there. Um, I can shoot out to two grand. So I spend a lot of time at that range, a lot of time, because the most important aspect to a coyote stand is composure. Right. Truly. Staying composed. Because anybody can go out there, push a button, and a cop can run in. But if you're not composed and you're not confident in yourself and your mm-hmm. shooting abilities, you're not going to kill him. Yeah. You can get all worked up. You know, pull the trigger, cow's going to run off, and you're not going to know what happened. Yep. Because I, I know plenty is, of guys. Fever is I know just plenty like of guys like that. <laughs> I know plenty of guys like that. I was that, that guy when I started out. <laughs> I missed my first like 20 dogs, and I couldn't even tell you where the crosshairs were when I pulled the trigger. I got so excited. Yeah. But now I'm out there like SEAL Team 6 taking out Bin Laden. Yeah. And, you know, I'm on a mission. Right. And I know exactly where my crosshairs need to be if a cow locks up at five, six, seven, eight hundred yards. Yeah. And, so and, it takes that doubt out of my mind because I know. You got, you got to, like you were saying, you were, you practice out to 2000 and whatever. But well, I don't, sh- I can shoot out to 2000. That's what I'm saying. Practice, the farthest I've shot my rifle is like 1300. Oh, okay. But, okay. So regardless, a long ways. Yeah. But, it's also, I'm sure you're shooting, not just from a bench rest. You're shooting in the positions that you'd be shooting from. Oh, that's huge. When you're hunting, you gotta you gotta that's practice huge. the lifelike scenarios because if you don't, I uh, mean, no, no, when no, you're no. facing that situation, your body practice like you play. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. That's my favorite line. Practice like you play. It's true though. Yeah. I mean, because. Listen, I had a guy got it a few years ago, mm-hmm. and he was super hyped. And he's like, man, I got this gun. I spent $15,000 on it. It's the baddest gun I've ever seen. Carbon barrel. I got a night force on this damn thing. I am I'm, I can shoot out to – they said I can shoot out to, like, 1,500 yards. I'm like, yeah, it sounds like the gun's capable of it, but have you shot it out that far? Well, no, but I've shot steel off the bench at, like, five. I'm like, Any gun's okay. capable of it, to be honest with you. But – he, you know, he shows up and shooting off his tripod, and the first guy stops at three hundred. He missed. So what'd you hold? I didn't really know where to hold. Hmm. Okay. Next stand, coyote stops. You know, I don't know how far it was. It was within three hundred. He missed it. 
So at that point, we go to the range. And now, now I'm working with him on how to shoot off that tripod, how to get bone on bone in your knee when you're sitting in your stool to get, you know, rear stability, right. how to, because anybody can go out there and shoot off a bench when your gun ain't moving and hit steel three, four, five, six, seven, eight hundred yards. But in the heat of the moment, when you're sitting in that stool or on the ground shooting off your tripod or shooting mm. sticks or whatever, that's a whole different scenario. 100% different. Whole different deal. I got to get you some Phoenix shooting bags. My cousin Anthony owns that company. Oh, dude, I love shooting bags. Dude, send them the my best. Way. I would, the they will be best. They're best. They're super, super lightweight. Like, you know, we're talking like five or six ounces, not these big heavy. Nice. See, and, I, I zero my I, guns on a bench, but then I practice off my, my tripod. Well, this will, you, you, I've used them with tripods. I got, I got to show you this way of sitting down, having the front of the gun on the tripod and having a rear big bag in the back and do it. It's, not, it's oh, like yeah. you're shooting off a shooting rest. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah, that'd be uh, all right. It's stupid. It's like really crazy. I really I want to get back to, uh, what was his name? Huckleberry Frank's question. If, if you are, I'm assuming you're asking when you can't, you know, they're out there at 200 yards. And you can't really shoot them from where you're at. I'm assuming that was the question. Like what the, the hang up spot basically. Right. So let's dress, let's yeah. address the hang up spot. What do you do in that yeah. situation? Well, if they hang up and you can't, you don't have a shot opportunity. So they came close to the sound that you were playing, obviously. So they had somewhat of an interest. Mm -hmm. So if I'm playing, say I'm playing a, a baby cottontail. And I get a coyote that I watch him come in and he goes to some brush at 200 yards. And then he's just, you can tell he's in there, but he ain't leaving. That's when I do switch up the sound to a higher pitch. Usually I go higher pitched. Mm -hmm. When a coyote hangs up to a rabbit, I'll play a higher pitch rabbit or a higher pitch rodent or something like that. But turn the volume way down. Right. Because that, if you turn that volume down and give them just enough to hear it, that might entice them to have to come closer to, to get a better um, idea of that sound. Right. Other than that, yeah, there ain't, there ain't a whole lot you can do, but just try to switch that sound up and, and decrease your volume level. Right. For me personally, I, again, because I'm a, I bow hunt them, I try to identify that chance of a hang up spot before I even sit down. Right. Like I kind of, I kind of make my setup so that my hang up spot is within my shooting range. Right. That's yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of what I've done because, again, you know, now you're you're talking about a different situation. I'm trying to direct them to come, I'm, you know, yeah. fifty yards or less or whatever. Using the e call is huge when it comes to that. I, I oh, don't hundred yeah, percent. I don't think I, I, I could do it with a hand call. It, no, I mean, I love hand calling, but there's there's not a lot of situations that are just perfectly ideal for it. Mm -hmm. And I say that because like. Say you're hunting tight cover, they're going to show up in your face because they're coming to the sound, obviously. Right. So if you're creating the sound where their eyes are going to be on you mm -hmm. and they're going to come directly to you. So the e-caller, I use that even like the angle I point it. Like so my buddy, like, let me walk the call out there. Like, no, I got it. Because I want it in a specific spot pointing it in a specific Same direction. Here. Same here. Yep. So, and you dictate that based on the wind because they, they typically they circle, right? Uh -huh. So if the wind's cutting like from left to right in my face, I'm going to put, and I think the coyotes over here, I'm going to put that call upwind a little bit so they don't circle as far. Because if you put the call more downwind, they're going to circle way farther downwind of that sound, right? Uh -huh. So you put that call further over here and they'll circle right in your face. Yep. And use the call 
to keep the coyote's eyes and attention off you so you have less chance of getting busted, which is huge for me because I'm sitting there panning the whole time. And, yeah, you you're know, running I camera. I can't sit yeah. still the same my life. I just, I just can't sit still. I'm, yeah, like, but no, yeah, I actually put a, I put a, uh, I put a video up on YouTube like 11 years ago about that very same thing. Like, and I talk about how I point the speaker in a certain direction, right? And how, because for me, I always, and it doesn't always work this way, but I'm trying to get the coyote to come by me perpendicular to my position so i got a yep. so i got a broadside shot a lot of times mm-hmm. it's head on but very rarely it's every once in a blue moon i'll get one coming from behind that you know i i can get quarter right. away or whatever but it's either head on or broadside like i don't really right. have much i don't have much other uh the way i make my sets but no that's huge that's great i'm you're the only the second person that i've ever heard say that other than myself about this yeah no i mean it's smart though you know yeah so yeah no i like that man that's great let's see if we have any other questions here Uh, and being able to see your downwind is super important because if you can't see your downwind you're just going to educate coyotes yeah i I mean about 50 percent of the time they circle so if you can't see your downwind and they circle downwind they're just going to end up smelling you and, and boogie out you know but if you can see your downwind, what I do is I sit down and if, my, if I have a crosswind, I'm like, all right, I know the wind's blowing to that bush right there. So I got to kill the coyote before he gets to that bush. Like, that's, that, that's kind of where my head's at when I, when I set up. I mean, my head's like a freaking just computer. Walking in, I'm reading everything. I'm looking at where the sun's at, where I can sit to that back cover, where I can sit to where the coyotes when they come in. They got the sun in their eyes, so they can't see me. I'm looking at potentially where they're going to come from, like an escape route, whether they can get down in a ditch. You know, if there's a terrace out there, I don't want to put the call on top of the terrace because then they'll stop behind it and I won't be able to see them. Learn that lesson the hard way. I put the call behind the terrace so they get up on the terrace and I shoot mm-hmm. them off of like a golf ball on a tee. Like there's just a million things going through my head. But what I've learned is if you can check mark all those boxes, like the wind, uh, your setup, not shining like a diamond, have a back cover, seeing your downwind, playing sounds that are probably have a higher response rate during that time of tier. If you can check mark all those boxes, that's when you get an 85% kill ratio. No, oh, that's you know? huge. And not being stupid and going and saying, oh, the win ain't perfect, but I'm going to try it. Nah, it don't work that way. Like, you talk about being obsessed. I'll get home from a live feed during the summer because hell, it don't get dark till 9 o'clock in the summer. I'm an hour and 10 minutes sometimes. By the time I get home and get to bed, it's midnight. And then I sit there on Onyx looking through all my red dots trying to find the perfect stand for that morning. Right. By the time I get done, I'm like, that's the one. I'm going to kill right there. Then it's like 2.30, 3 in the morning, and I get an hour of sleep, and then I'm back at it. <laughs> I live on Savage. Red Bull and peanut, peanut M&Ms, man. And freaking <laughs> And pure savagery. Breakfast of champions. Breakfast I don't know about that, but you kind of touched on it a little bit. So what are you looking for when you're choosing a spot? Not the actual stand itself, but a place to go hunt. Like, what are you looking for? Like, okay, you have so, never set foot on this ground. You're looking at maps or whatever. Yeah, first thing I do is I get on Onyx. And, I, and I'm literally zooming in, looking at little ditches, looking at, like, the highest points on that property. Because mm-hmm. anytime you can get up and get a higher elevation and an advantage to see more, you're going to, you know. But I look for thick cover where they're going to bed up at. So, like, I have a spot that I just picked up, never hunted. 
I, I've been looking at it for like two days because I know it's loaded with coyotes. Like I saw 11 dogs at this spot when I drove by last year. Wow. And I've been trying to get a, because it, well, it butts up next to a huge cattle operation. And I know that their dead pile isn't that far from the fence back there. So it sucks all these coyotes in. So I know I got one opportunity to go in there, never hunted them, and just mow as many as I can. So I want to be set up the best I can, right? So I think first light's going to be where it's at. But in first light, I get out there and I'm set up before the sun's up. Because if you walk in there and the sun's up and, you know, you, there's a chance you're going to spook coyotes. I don't want to do that. This is one that right. could have died. You know what I mean? So I'll sit there for 30 minutes in the dark. But in the mornings, the coyotes typically are in the more open stuff, right? They're not bedded up in the thick stuff. So at the first two scenes of the morning, I hunt the most open stuff that I got. Open. And I'm talking, you wouldn't believe it, man. I, I called seven coyotes in over this winter wheat field the other day. That there wasn't a tree out there. It was just a wheat field as far as your eyes could see. <laughs> Crazy. And out of nowhere, I see these dots coming, and there were seven dogs coming through it. I mean, they're out there. But the thing, this time of the year, they, they den up in those fields. They'll, they'll dig holes out in the middle of these winter wheat fields. But then, like, as, you know, if you're, if you're trying to hunt it at, like, 10 o'clock or, you know, in the middle of the day, that's when you want to get closer to the cover on that property where they're probably bedded up at or a big ditch or timber or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, but the whole time, your mind is, A, I want to go in undetected the best I can without the wind blowing at any point from the time I park the truck to walk in. I don't want that wind at any point blowing any direction of those coyotes. Because that if, if they smell you, it's over. Right. You're wasting your time if they smell you. I don't, I'm going to play devil's advocate with that last. So... What I noticed when I hunt areas where there's a lot of people, like maybe recreationalists or for whatever reason, there's the scent of humans is going to be in that area. Right. The them catching a whiff of you doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get busted because they're so used to right. it. But you see, I don't have a lot of places like that. Yeah, definitely. And and again, that comes about from from bow hunting because like I can't I can't firearm hunt those places. Right. But I could bow hunt them. And that's a game changer because it kind of gives you a little bit more um I don't know, leeway, I guess, to Well, and they're very impression probably. Yeah. So and unpressured coyotes are dead coyotes. Yeah, because they're more vulnerable. You know what I mean? Yeah, they haven't they haven't experienced. The they, they don't have the traumatic memory of their buddy dropping next to them and then yeah. hearing a bang. Yeah, yeah, for sure, absolutely. You said you kind of have a system when you're when you're setting up and you're calling and whatever. Uh, run me through a sequence. Run me through your first stand in the morning. Okay, so if it's a brand, say I go to a brand new property. So when I go hunt this place, probably tomorrow morning. I always start out at first light with like a subtle female interrogation howl. And interrogation howl pretty much is just a coyote letting its presence be known. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. That doing so doesn't scare away any coyotes that might be submissive. Um, and it just kind of raises the curiosity of the other coyotes in the area that might want to come check out and say, hey, who's in my territory? But I'll howl three times. Now, Predator Tactics, the company that I work for, they have some freaking awesome. I don't know if you have them. 
If you don't, I'll get you taken care of. But uh, I do not. The, vo- the vocals from Predator Tactics are truly the best in the industry. And anybody can argue with me if they want to. They are because they come from real coyotes. Mm-hmm. My boss is out there with this big old headset on and this thing just trying to catch these howls and whatever. So like Cardinal Interrogation, that sound comes from an actual coyote that's named Cardinal. So they're real vocals. And they sound freaking awesome on the Lucky Duck. But I start subtle. And then, you know, the, the sequence variates because I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if they're going to answer, if they're not going to answer or what. But also, I say this all the time. Just because they don't howl back does not mean they're not there. Of course. I've howled and nothing answered. And then look over and there's, you know, eight coyotes standing on the hill next to me. I'm like, oh. But uh, so say I howl back and, a, and a, they serenade. Like within range to call them because sometimes I'll serenade two miles away and you're not right. gonna kill those dogs. I'll serenade back and then I'll wait. And if they don't show up, I'll turn on like a really soft, uh, submissive coyote or like real soft pup distress, mm-hmm. nothing real aggressive, just some yips and and typically they'll come. But if they don't, then I get into more aggressive pup distress. Say I, I start out with a subtle female interrogation on, I have a single coyote light up and it's pretty fired up and you can tell it's aggressive real high pitch, just kind of challenging. Then I'll do a territorial how back and then wait. And usually they'll come in, but if they don't, then I turn on that submissive pup, light pup distress. And if he doesn't come to that, I'll go to aggressive pup distress. But say nothing answers. I how, then I, I create a scenario because you want to create a scenario mm-hmm. that makes sense. Absolutely. Then I'll how back. I'll answer my own how on the e-call or maybe on my hand call just to mix it up. Nothing comes to vocals. That's when I'll go into rabbit. Now that's on the first set. On the last light set, you know, I'll start out with a, a rodent or a real soft baby cottontail, work into a heavier rabbit. Then at about the 20-minute mark before dark, 30, 45 minutes before dark, that's when I get into vocals. And I'll work through my vocals. And then if nothing comes in and it's almost dark, I'll play coyote coon fight just to try to, you know, uh, hit on that curiosity factor. Nice. And I've killed a lot of coyotes off of coyote. Couldn't fight right at the end of the stand when nothing came in that whole hour mark, and then I played Kyle couldn't fight more. I'm just come running right in. It's crazy, right? But I've actually never utilized that. I have a call or I have a sound that's a raccoon and coyote. And I don't think I've ever used it. Man, I, I don't know why. Maybe because I don't see a lot of raccoons out here. Oh, dude, there's but, so many coons. Yeah, I can imagine. There's, there's a lot of raccoons around here. Yeah. Now fox. Fox has been a very good, good one for me. Yeah, like that fox, fox and coyotes are mortal enemies out here. They're the, you don't you see foxes in town here, but you don't see them in the wild. Mm, we see them because the coyotes kill them all. Yeah, they're safe in town under the bridge and by the hospital. You see at night they'll be running around everywhere. But crazy, I've never called a fox in in the wild around here. Really, and I've killed thousands of coyotes. Never, not one fox. Oh wow! So that just tells you how few foxes there are out there. Come out but here. this year I'll I did call in 20. <laughs> yeah, I'll shoot him. But I called in 29 bobcats this season. Oh, that's a lot, man. That's a lot. In the past, I've only called in the most I ever called in was like eight. Yeah. So it, it just blew my mind. Like I was calling cats like every stand for a while. And so the and, cat and population is way higher now. Question. Did you use were you using coyote vocals in those stands when they came in? I called one one uh, bobcat into coyote vocals. It was so weird. It was at night. I howled, and this thing popped up, got a heat signature at 1,100 yards back in the field. We thought it was a coyote. Right. And we're, we're, we're using thermal. 
And then I turned on a putt distress. And they come 1,100 yards to the middle of the field and walked right to the call. And about, you know, 200 yards out, I'm like, that's a bobcat. Like, what? That's crazy. It's crazy. But I guess it was just curiosity. And it was so big that it didn't give a shit because it knew it could whoop any coyote that came around. It was like a 37-pound bobcat. Oh, yeah. But crazy. no, 90% of the time I'm playing a high pitched rabbit. I was going to say, yeah, like rabbits always for, for or woodpecker, wood, woodpeckers uh, yeah, bur- birds of some sort. Yeah. yeah. I've had bobcat. It's been a, actually been a bit since I called a bobcat in a couple of years now. I don't know why foxes. I've, I've called lions. Um, oh, that's awesome. Shane who works for me has killed a couple of lions off the call. I'm going on a wolf hunt next year in, in uh, March of next year. Hell, hell yeah. I'm way I'm, up in the in in Alaska. Well, nice. It's gonna be crazy. I've been wanting to do that for a long time. I shot at a wolf with my bow several years. Shit, it's got Jesus! Can't believe it's been already. It's been like how about that? Was pretty intense. Fifteen years. Yeah, he was. He was at sixty yards, uh, and he ducked my arrow. I don't know. Honestly, <laughs> I think my fletching was like torn, so like he heard the arrow coming at him. Like, oh yeah, sound like a freaking helicopter or something coming at him. <laughs> right. He was too far to hear my damn bow going off, so I don't right. know. But nah, it was weird, weird situation. I was, ooh, I was praying I had a freaking. It was cool looking. You kill white, a wolf with a bow though. White. Yeah. He was that, like white gray. That's, that's majestic stuff right there. Oh yeah, I would have loved to have done that. Well, wolf hunting's uh, definitely something I definitely want to call call him in. I definitely want to do that. Yeah, me too. I tried calling and shooting one with my bow uh, in Idaho again a number of years ago. Um, I was bear hunting in spring, and um, the uh, I had just killed a bear early, like really early in the evening. It was probably like five thirty. And I walked back the trail back to where uh, the mules were. And uh, as I was coming back through the trail, well, going in, I noticed a big moose track. And I was, or no, it was an elk track, big elk track. And I was like, oh, cool, big elk track, right in the, right in the mud, fresh. And on the way back, that same elk track had a wolf track right on top of it. And I was like, oh, son of a bitch, it's freaking wolves, like right here. Like they're close. They just came through here. Cause I wasn't in the, I wasn't freaking hunting for 30 minutes when I shot that bear. And, uh, so I ran and grabbed a call and I tried calling, but nothing ever came in. That would have been, that would have been pretty epic though. Well, yeah. I mean, you'd be calling something that can, cause I've had people say, aren't you scared the cats would eat you now? No, they, they just don't. They're not educated on it really. Yeah. Coyotes, as soon as they smell you, they're gone, you know, but a wolf, no, a wolf, wolf. calling yeah. an animal that will literally come in and rip you up to pieces. Yeah. That's a different kind of, the rush, you know what I mean? Well, I've called bears. I've, I've, I call bears. Um, cause Arizona, you're not allowed to beat them. So right. it's either spot and stalk or calling. And I've, uh, I've killed two bears here calling. That's awesome. Yeah. I've called in two mountain lions on a coyote. Nice. One of them was at 30 yards and he looked like he was on steroids. He was a monster. Hey, and we stay, we, we had a stare down eye to eye for like 15 solid minutes. It was yeah. crazy. Yeah. And then he just turned and jumped back over the rim rock and walked out like it's no big deal. Yeah, they, but if he'd have taken one more step, they got he wouldn't, have, he, he wouldn't have went back where he came from. <laughs> so you're, I, I take it you're not, you're not allowed to shot, shoot him over there, right? No, that was in Colorado. Oh, was in Colorado? Tagged. Yeah. Oh, okay. I've never seen one around here. You know, everybody and their brothers are like, well, there's a mountain lion back there. Yeah. Yep. 
I promise you if there was, I probably would have seen you by now because I'm out there more than anybody. I've seen, I saw a sign in Illinois, which is not too far from yeah. me. I was whitetail hunting and um, we saw some some scat and uh, and I saw some tracks and I was like, oh shit, that's a fucking mountain lion. I'm not saying there ain't out there. I mean, there's de- there's definitely, I mean, the, the probability is there's a mountain lion out there somewhere, but yeah, I, I don't know. People get it in their heads and yeah. Shadow Truck Revengers just a jo- just joined. That's uh, that's Charles. He's my buddy. My buddy's my one of my best friends. Actually, he uh, he had he was turkey hunting. Was it last year? I think he said last year. He was calling turkey and he freaking called a mountain lion to like ten. Steps. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he had to jump yeah. up and scare it away because he didn't have the gun. It was coming right to him. He was calling for a client. Yeah, that'd be nuts, right? Fuck. <laughs> I couldn't imagine. I love, man, my theory is if I go out that way, that's fine. Like I, you know, yeah, that that it only makes sense. That's that's how way uh, a guy named Alpha Dog should be. Uh, I guess so. be going. I guess right. I live a, <laughs> like no one. I, I live a crazy life. Like I need my own reality show. There ain't no lie about that. But, my life. I mean, the whole you know live feed coyote hunting is just like one aspect of my life, a big part of it. But man, I just I sometimes I feel like I'm like living a simulation, and I'm like a main character that just I got I have so much crazy stuff that happens. It's unreal. Yeah, I'm just accepting at this point. I'm like, come on, man, let's let's go. I'll take on whatever comes. Ah, that's a good but, way. That's a good way to look at things, man. Because you know you never know what. Well, I mean, what else you gonna do? You know? Exactly. You just yeah. focus on the good and try to be the, the baddest man and jamming you can out there and and roll with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, awesome, man. Um, well, I want to appreciate you coming on and uh, hopefully people that jumped on the live feed here uh, got their questions answered and I didn't I didn't get to all of them. Some of them were just yeah, and if anybody has any any other predator hunting questions, like on Instagram, yeah. uh, Predator Tactics, or even my page, Heath Baker. But uh, and I, anybody that shoots me a question, I answer everybody. Sure. Like, hell, I was that kid. Like, you know, I'm still learning. I'm a sponge, man. I don't know everything. I kill a lot of coyotes, but I'm always learning oh, from yeah. other people. You're always and, gonna you're always gonna learn. You're always gonna pick up. Yeah, stuff. sure, absolutely. No, I, yeah, I appreciate uh, it, brother. Yeah, no, I appreciate you coming on, but um, I'd definitely like to have you on. I'm going to do a traditional podcast with you and have like a full set of questions and kind of yeah. pick your brain on some stuff. And uh, yep, anytime, just let me know and we'll make it happen. All right, man. Sounds good. Thanks. Yep. Thanks, man. Hey, guys. Thanks for checking out the show. Really appreciate you. Keep those reviews and those comments coming. Helps us keep this free. Do me a favor, go check out Phoenix Shooting Bags. Use promo code John Stallone to save 20%, all one word. And check out Howl for Wildlife. Thank you very much, and we'll catch you on the next show.